automotive plov dov. I'm not, I'm not joking. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode four, season one of The Away End. This week I've got, as always, Daniel me. Hello, hello. And we are joined by a close friend, Alex, a West Ham fan. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, boys, I'm doing pretty well, thanks. How are you both? Good. Very well, thank you. You you are a West Ham fan, so tell us a little bit about the background. How Latham Crew decided to have a, you know an allegiance to West Ham? What's the crack, mate? Well, yeah, basically, plastic West Ham fan. Obviously, crew boy, born and bred. Um, base, you know, when you get to uni, everyone's supporting various football teams. I just sort of like pick a nominal team, and I was kind of thinking like both my brothers support Liverpool. Didn't really want to support Liverpool, and then I found out two great facts about West Ham. One of them, Crew's most prolific striker, never to have been played, for, never been played for England. Mm. Dean Ashton moved to West Ham, good enough for him. And then the the link between West Ham and I Maiden, Steve Harris, legendary bass player and songwriter for West Ham, uh, who had to make the difficult decision as a young kid as to whether to carry on in the academy or go on to do music full time. And thank God he did. Otherwise, I never would have had the shit long hair I had when I was a kid and listened to all the <laughs> I Maiden songs. <laughs> So I picked picked West Ham for better or for worse. I got a lot of time for that. That's a, I know as like I was young, so I basically just got indoctrinated by my dad into football and United. But yeah, when if you've got to your like how old how old you are at uni and you haven't actually picked a team, that's good enough reason more than anything, isn't it? Like well, I thought I did also think with West Ham there's no there's no chance of being accused of being a glory supporter. <laughs> it's been some of the more painful years of my life supporting I was going to say how's, how's, how's that going for you mate how's being a West Ham fan going for you well it's got it's ups and it's got it's downs I guess James when, when were the ups? Um, 1966 weren't they? <laughs> fuck's sake yeah the ups I guess not been that. I guess I guess qualifying like qualifying for the Europa League Early, yeah. Like sort of early-ish on in me supporting them was a pretty good up. I mean, we played some pretty good football. It's just also being a kind of shit club, ran really badly, and playing some bad football more often than not. There's some of the downs, I guess. So what we got on this week? So it's a it's a bit of a thin week on football in terms of what's actually been going on. A lot of preseason, and I'll be honest, I don't, I don't really keep up with it. I, I, te- I tend to dip in and out at this point. But we've got a lot of transfer stuff coming up. And obviously with our, our mate Alex, we're going to have a little chat, little dissect of the season and see what he thinks of what's been going on at West Ham. Right. Leash, go. <laughs> right. So, Alex, what, you, what are your thoughts? As a United fan, I have my thoughts. But what do you think of Boise and how he's done and sort of, the, the transition from Pellegrini and like, have you noticed the difference in style of play? Because all them players which you've got sort of uh, Anderson, Yarmolenko, them kind of lads who were brought in under Pellegrini uh, are still still performing quite well for Moisey. So he's, you know, he's must be doing something all right, yeah? I think I'd probably speak for nearly every club if you've got Moisey appointed as your manager that it's not the most inspiring of choices. <laughs> now, like, like you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna make a song and dance about getting David Moyes appointed. We we had him appointed. What was it? And for six months, I think it was like 2017 or 18. I can't remember. Yeah, it was, like, it was basically to get you out of relegation, wasn't it? 
Yeah, we did the exact same thing. He gave us six months to study the ship, and then we yeah. got Pelly in. He did the same this, then Pelly was out, and then we got six months with him again, and he got contract extended to end of next season, I think it is. So I don't yeah. think he's on a I don't think he's on a really long contract. I mean, I give him his dues. He's done the job he was brought in to do both times. We didn't go down, and I think there was a real risk of us going down. But the first time he got brought in a couple of years ago, and this time, I mean, we were on an absolute knife edge this time, to be honest. Um, I was just going to say, I loved every second of it, of you lot being on the knife edge, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Moisey is one of their managers, isn't he, really? And I, I, like you said, after the restart, especially after the restart, and like you were, you were really, it was really touch and go for a while, wasn't it? Like what you were about 15th, 16th at, at one point, was that after the restart? And then I think eventually you've, you've ended up 13th, haven't you? So. I think Moisey really has, has done an all right job, to be fair. After restart, it was it, three three out of nine games, three wins, three draws, three losses. And I was saying before to Jim, some of the, the, the wins and draws, like you, you beat Chelsea 3-2, you, beat, uh, you drew with United. I think really, hopefully, it's sort of like the up and up with Moisey. Because I do think when he was at Everton, it was a kind of good good setup for him. And I do think at West Ham, if he gets the right players, I think he, I think he could could be potentially all right this season again. Well, I think that'd be what I'd say about Moise is that he's unfortunately, because I didn't really want to see Pellegrini go, but unfortunately I think we did get a bit of that, you know, that the new manager bounce, he says in quotation marks and whatnot. Like we got, we do have a fair few egos, I think in the dressing room now, or at least big-ish players that weren't performing. And then they've started performing. I think Moise also hasn't been too afraid to change the team a bit he doesn't it's tactical now so making substitutions isn't always that good but in terms of actually dropping players when they need to be dropped he's made a few calls there which is good yeah, yeah. I do wonder if he's got any fucking balls though is he going to demand transfer money is he going to like actually shape a club the way he wants to shape a club or is he just going to be brought in to be a, a like a stopgap and, mm. and is he going to be a stopgap manager that then leaks into a longer term manager without any sort of firepower yeah and that, that does sort of actually lead into the next question quite nicely as well, though. In terms of West Ham, with is that the manager or is that the club as a whole that Golden Sullivan, like, they're worth 500 million. And the, the players really that you need to bring in is probably 100 million's worth of players, like three or four really decent players, to sort of, especially at the back. And I don't know the ins and outs, but there is quite an aging team as well in terms of, the midfield, which I can think of, are all like late twenties, early thirties, aren't they? So, just from my point of view, I'd probably like a little bit of a wider picture than than just like money, because I always hear all this bad stuff about them, and I don't really know the ins and outs of it. So, if you could like fill me in on that, and then we can talk about that money, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, everyone wants to bash the board. Everyone, whenever anyone's football club and they're a bit shit, you know, you want to bash the board a bit. But I think they don't really get as much press as. You know, like say the Glazers, everyone knows about the Glazers and everyone sort of hates them. Abramovich, you know, everyone knows about them. These guys are pretty, like, they're borderline crooks, basically. <laughs> and I'll say that I'm not one of the really big, there's like a whole GSB out, Gold, Sullivan and Brady, who are the three owners. Karen Brady from The Apprentice, if you remember her. There's like mm. a big GSB out thing. Uh, they're just a bit like, 
they own a football club and expect because they've been fairly successful businessmen that they can run a football club. And that was like one of the really big turning points when we got Pellegrini in. They also, I don't know if it was a stipulation of getting him in, but at the same time, we got a director of football, which people have been lobbying to get a director mm. of football for so long to try and get some of that power away from the board. Zilos was this bloke that was, I think he's like a good mate of Pellegrini's. I think they worked together in Villarreal, Pellegrini, mm. that? Yeah, yeah, it was Villarreal, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think they're mates from there. But basically, since Pellegrini's gone, it seems this director of football, Mario Uzillas, it's just, I don't know, it doesn't seem like basically he's lost his mate in the club. And now yeah. I think that director of football position's at, like just a, a name on a, a name on a door. And I think it seems that the, the board, uh, Golden Sullivan, have basically got power back again. It's interesting that you say that they've managed other businesses and then obviously football clubs very different. Um Having watched the All or Nothing Tottenham documentary, it's just come out. Oh, right. there's, a, there's a little bit with Daniel Levy and he says like, um, I've, I've sort of managed all sorts of different businesses of different sizes and running a football club is by far and away the most difficult thing he's ever had to do. So yeah, I don't think you can just step into a club and expect to run it like you would any other business. And, I'm, and I think as well with football clubs, what business people like and Mike Ashley, they think that they can come in and make money out of a football club. And what they really need to realise is you can't make money out of football clubs anymore. The, the amount of money that you have to invest in the club to buy players, the staff, the running of it, you you can't really make, without it being, sounding big-headed, like a United, like a Liverpool, like a Real, like a big team, they do make profits. But even to a level of sort of a West Ham, Leicester, like down the Premier League, the Premier League has a big turnover, don't get me wrong. So the clubs do make a nice, they do make a profit still. But if they want to still invest and buy players and get better, it's it's hard to make money out of a football club now. It really is. I think even looking like past the monetary sort of gains of running a football club, it's difficult because you have everybody, every fan is a stakeholder in a way, emotionally or maybe even like financially. It's not like, for example, Mike Ashley running Sports Direct. No one has the same brand loyalty to Sports Direct that they would to like Newcastle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's people, so true. That's people feel such a strong connection emotionally to a football club that you, as soon as you go in and start messing with things, you're upsetting people left and right straight away. Just, um, yeah, but it's the, it's the ethics behind football as well. Obviously, like I think that's like a pretty interesting thing. Like if we ever did a, Ch- a Chelsea episode, um, we could definitely <laughs> talk about some of the ethics behind uh, Mr. Abramovich. Well, I'll just say so, on that, man. I mean. Talking about like ethics, this is a wider point, but it's always just quite funny to mention it, that these blokes, saying they're successful businessmen, I can't remember what, I I know it was the the daily sport and the Sunday sport, that's where one of them made their money with, and (laughs) I'm pretty sure the other one owned Not Love Honey, like some other like sex toy company. Yeah. Uh, They're they're pornographers, that's what they've made their money on, which, you know, obviously, that's just that, it's just quite, it's just just a classic real greasy move, especially when you see them there, like slicked back hair, these 70-year-old blokes, proper cockneys, like, yeah, can see that. But I will say, it's about making money, and this is like one of the things that doesn't really get talked about it's not even that sort of like tin pot conspiracy stuff like they kind of came in took the club out of debt great like we were in loads of debt when they took over the club uh, had like Icelandic owners and it was all a bit of a shit show and, and they're all like you know they're very proud of saying they took the club out of the debt and they gave x money to the club 
What they don't mention is that we're paying them interest on the loans. They haven't brought the club out of debt. They just loaned the club enough money to get out of debt, on right. which we're then paying them interest back on the loans. Three which to is five exactly percent. what the Glazers are doing now at United still. Like basically they offsetting other sporting franchises like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that they have against United and they just basically loan United money, loan Tampa Bay money and then, yeah, they end up paying the interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, but it's just this annoying, they've kind of got this rhetoric that they like are the saviors of the club and they bought them out of debt and got them promoted back into the Premier League. It's like, it's kind of true and you did get us, you balanced the books but you're still making money yeah. off that. Like, If you really cared about the club and you wanted to put money into it, you would just invest rather than invest with strings attached. It's a bit, it's a bit of a pipe dream ideology but you don't get rich by being philanthropic. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, they're probably damaging the club in the long term because just loaning a, loaning any anyone, a company or anything, money to get out of debt isn't particularly mm. a long-term it's solution. Just, yeah, it's not sustainable, is it? Unless, of course, you sell off one of the biggest assets a football club has, which is their stadium. But I imagine we're probably going to talk about that at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on slightly, what, what sort of players are you thinking might leave? Um I've just seen that you can't shift the few players here that they can't find buyers for two or three different players. On a slight side note as well, I've just read here at the Metro reporting, um, WWE legend Triple H <laughs> urges Declan Rice to reject Chelsea transfer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that happened, but yeah, Triple H is apparently a fan. Ever since, ever since I've been supporting him, Triple H has always been sort of like one of these dudes knocking around getting funny photos with him wearing a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Which is decent. I think, I don't know what I do. I've got no idea. Probably got like, got given some sex toys by the porn barons and he <laughs> was pretty happy about it. I don't know. I've, I've seen that you you can't find a buyer for Jack Wheelchair, uh, Felipe Anderson and Manuel Lanzini. Yeah, well, I mean, Jack Wheelchair, he's not going anywhere, is he? No. I mean, who's going to buy him? Literally, yeah. not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd be worried to take a few step too far and he'd break a leg or something. But I don't. Know, I think I think he's on 100k with us. Which no, I think so. Uh, uh, that might be maybe it's 80k, but I think it's something like. I mean, he's a big name, isn't he? Well, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, well, it was. But I don't think. Yeah, unless you take a serious cut in uh, wage, no one's going to buy him. Oh my days! You know how much he's actually on. Go on. One hundred twenty-one thousand pound. Oh my god! He is stealing a living there. He is. Yeah. He's not. He plays about four games a season. I know. Yeah. There, there was a period, like you know. I mean, it's always the same thing with Jack Wilshere, there, isn't it? There was a period when he was like fit and he was actually playing really well. Of course, recurring but... injuries, injury upon injury upon ankle, knee. I don't know. I think he maybe had a hip at one point, and it's like. When you have them from such a young age as well, you just you can't you can't carry on. Can you? I know about. It. I think Felipe Anderson. I still don't really want to sell him. I I'd quite like to. I don't really want to sell him. Yeah, obviously he is kind of a luxury player. But you know, when else are we going to get a luxury player? Maybe we're just you know. Sometimes people need a bit of bedding in. How long has he been there? Two seasons. I think this would. Yeah, I think he's probably had two seasons in, maybe a season half. I mean, he was he was pricey. We yeah. had like forty odd mil. I was just thinking as well, like, he's only, what, like, 26, 27, maybe? So, like, he's still, like, in his prime. I agree with you, mate. I do. I, I, if, if, I, if I'm you, I would not be wanting to get rid of Anderson. Like you said, he is a luxury player still, but you've spent the money on him now. Why not 
why not keep him like at this age if he's still contract? He's probably contracted for another couple of years at least. Or yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, I agree, man. I wouldn't be getting rid of him. Yeah, I, th- I think I'd be quite happy just to see how he plays out. And, and again, the same thing as before, like give Moisey a bit of time to work with him. Do we can do get? A, I mean, we haven't got very much for preseason, but see if there's something that can go on. I mean, having, having a tasty winger that is good dribbling with the ball. We haven't had we haven't had a good, really good dribbling can take on men and get past them yeah. reliably for a while. So that'd be quite good. Lanzini, Lanzini kind of breaks my heart a bit, but it wouldn't be the end of the world if we were to find a buyer for him. He was absolutely shit hot. When we signed Lanzini, I mean, I don't even know where he signed him from. I, I didn't know who he was. I saw the, when we were linked with him, I remember, you know, reading up a few stats and maybe watching a few, you know, as you do, Google someone. And he was mint. He was such a good creative force, and I just think he might. He got injured, and he got injured twice. He got injured just before the World Cup, I think it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he's just not really got it back, to be honest. And it was yeah. it was ACL, wasn't it, as well with his knee? I think wasn't it. So with a, yeah. with a big injury like that, it's it does not your confidence massively, doesn't it? As well. Yeah, man. He, I think he was he was out for months. He was out for months with that, and you know, yeah. And he's only a small bloke anyway. If you're out for months, he didn't get tanked like all the rest of these young kids do when they go out because he's not really that young anymore. So yeah, I think he just lost a bit of time. You know, if it wind back two years, I wouldn't want to see him gone. But now, if we can find a seller, we don't really need the cover in that position. Yeah, yeah. What we have got rid of is <laughs> probably I don't know, like Roberto. The goalkeeper that covered for Fabianski when Fabianski was off injured. Um, so I don't want to be mean to the bloke, but that was <laughs> that was a terrible run we had. I mean, some of that goalkeeper was just. I even watched back on some footage uh, a couple of weeks ago when the announcement was made that he signed to somewhere else. Just some of that goalkeeper, man. It's like I don't. Like, who would buy him? Basically, <laughs> anyway, they have. We got rid of him. So. How did he get him? Um, I don't know somewhere in Spain I think I don't need goalkeepers in Spain they just pass the ball around everywhere so <laughs> as long as he's got a, a, a right foot that he can just ping a ball then it's fine you know I can't even remember if his distribution was any good to be honest I was too busy reeling from the goal he just let in or something uh, he's gone to Real Valladolid anyway um, so we kind of covered who you'd want to leave or who is potentially leaving but who would you kind of want to bring in past uh, Lingard that's apparently strongly linked with you is it here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can take him. Take him off our hands. No way. What an aging, an aging like sort of semi-big name. Semi-big oh, mate, if, name if, forward. if Twitter's to be believed, Lingard's a promising up-and-coming youth player. Yeah, I mean, we'll have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, mean, I think we're all, well, we're not all, because obviously United just spanked out a bunch of money earlier this week, but most clubs are in the... You know, we're not buying a lot of people at the moment. Yeah. What, what what we need, what we need is a left back. We need another centre back cover at least, to be honest. I think, but I think the biggest things we need are to keep hold of Declan Rice as one player we we need to keep hold of. That might get mentioned later. I don't know. At the moment, yeah. he hasn't gone. He's still a West Ham player. So if we close the, if we close the window and we've still got Declan Rice, he is. I mean, I know he's he's not the sort of uh, prodigal son that maybe you know, some people want to pay him out to be, but he's a real solid homegrown CDM. I mean, you don't pass up on one of them anytime soon. But yeah, well, one of the things that just come out of this week in the past day or two, we've just, looks like we've just shifted on um, Dean Garner. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a young lad who's out on loan at West Brom uh, last season. 
and linking back up with old Slav. And basically, he was just like a cracking, a cracking player. Really ended the season as a fantastic championship player. He's been out on loan. He's proved himself in the championship. He's got promoted to West Brom. He's yeah. a homegrown player from the academy. And we've just, I think we've just agreed a fee for 12 mil plus add-ons to West Brom. It's not necessarily a position that we need, but what the hell are we doing? We're sending away one of our like, cheapest contracted players yeah. to a direct rival West Brom going to be in the Prem now for 12 mil pretty crazy yeah I, I just the mind absolutely boggles you know you've got all this Deadwood on the bench that you need to shift off who for example like we said Jack Wilson 120k a week yeah. and you're you're shipping off one of your most promising homegrown youngsters yeah that's not good business if he was a championship imagine if West Brom didn't get imagine if he was a West Brom player and West Brom didn't get promoted you reckon they'd be selling him Premier League club for 12 mil they'd be asking for like 25 or something like that how much Brentford like Brentwood were asking for some of their players if few years ago like we nearly bought a striker off them for 30 mil or something like oh, <laughs> I know it's, anyway, it's terrible business so we got rid of him so that's bad uh, we need a left back there don't seem to be anyone out there that we're actually linked with I was going to say this Moisey from what I've heard on various uh, social media and apps that he's you know, attacking talent as far as I can see like he has not even not even been mentioned of a left back and Aaron Cresswell's been dead on his feet for about yeah. the past two or three seasons I mean he, he's been he's been fantastic for West Ham he's been fantastic for West Ham for so long but my god we need a new left back there's no yeah. doubt about it. Masuaku Masuaku has his if, I mean if you want a guy who's going to run up the wing and carry a ball great if you want a guy that's going to defend you don't want Masuaku coming in like you, you can already feel the sort of like cold sweat when you see an actual competent winger running at Masuaku <laughs> and he's halfway up the he's halfway up the bloody touchline if you want a like for like player mate uh, we, you can have uh, Serge Aurier <laughs> yeah I, Serge Aurier would be such a West Ham signing mate get him on we'll get him on a five-year contract 120k a year be, well, we we definitely need a left back, and there really doesn't seem to be much chat about one. To be honest, I um, feel like there's a distinct lack of just like decent left backs going around. To be honest, I mean, particularly yeah. you look at the England squad and left backs are like by far the weakest position or the the, the kind of thinnest position. No, we were linked. We were linked with um, some bloke from Norwich whose name I can't remember now. I mean, I'm quite glad we, it's not going any further than that. I'm quite glad because mm. none of the Norwich players would really feel me with confidence with signing them. You wouldn't have uh, Todd Canwell? No, I reckon they'd probably try and fleece it for him. Yeah, but if if money's not a, not an issue, you wouldn't take Todd Cantwell. Yeah, money. Yeah, maybe, mate. If money was no issue, and, <laughs> you'd, you'd but, be Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, if money was no issue, I'd be Chelsea. And if I didn't mind like pissing off all the rest of my uh, all the rest of my players, whereas well, he's just like classic CM, isn't he? Tacking yeah. mid. Yeah. yeah, we got bucket loads of them, mate. We got Jack Wilshere already. Just say, it's not it's not really a position that you need, mate. Yeah. No. And, and and a centre back, I think, is what we're getting. There was talks for us getting um, Duffy from Brighton. If you remember Duffy, not played that. Oh, much. he's yeah. expensive, though. I think, from what I've heard, a few, a few people after him. Oh, you know what, mate? Fucking splash out! I say, get Golden Sullivan. Tell him, tell, tell him to get the money spent, mate. Get Shane Duffy. In. He's a good, he's a good buy, he is, mate. He would have been as he, well. He's gone now. He's gone to Celtic. He would have been a solid buy, I reckon. Even if ju- just for competition, because our our defense is is crap. Because what? Who who else you play at the centre back? Issa Diop and who? There uh, goes in between Barbuena and Ogbonna. Oh, here is Ogbonna. Yeah, Oggy's he's just a bit of a liability at times. Sometimes he's he's absolutely great, and sometimes a liability. 
Issa Diop, I'm glad we kept Issa Diop. There's a few people sniffing around for him. Yeah, including and, us, I think. Yeah, and United were at one point, definitely. And that's it. Like, what's the point in buying a promising young centre-back if you only give them one season and turf him off to somewhere else? They're doing it the right way, definitely. I think they need to keep them. Declan Rice and Issa Diop, 100%. Haller, I mean, Haller's not going anywhere. He's only come in last season. You need to keep them kind of players. But I think, yeah, you're right. Should we talk about the beating heart of that team, mate? Mark Noble? No. <laughs> yeah, all day. I actually saw something about he's been at the club joint second longest of anyone in Europe, joint with uh, you know the other greatest of all time, Lionel Messi. Sixteen and a half years, I think. Wow. Noble's been at West Ham. Yeah. Wait, did he come up through? Did he come up through West Ham? Yeah, he's been. Yeah, he was academy kid. Absolutely loves him. I, I, I do actually think he might have been maybe started academy somewhere else, but he's been there for you know sixteen years, seven months, and twenty five days. Fucking hell. I mean, the man is an absolute legend. Have you ever seen him miss a penalty? Uh, no. No. <laughs> nah, man, I, I give it. I got a lot of time for Mark Noble. If I if I was a West Ham fan, he would be every single shirt I ever owned would have Mark Noble's name on the back. It's just for West Ham. He's just he's Mr. West Ham. Isn't he? His he contract is. runs out this year. I think looks like you've got uh, options for a further year though. As he, it looks like you might have activated that. I think I think we. I don't know if we've and he's not going. But I knew his contract was coming up. So, I mean, so that's something good. If we don't give that bloke the send-off he deserves, he's already had a testimonial, which is decent. But is he, he any needs... good, though? Oh, mate, he's not got the legs on him anymore. He'll get outpaced. <laughs> He'll get outpaced by, I don't know, 80%. Of the players in the Prem. He's one of them players that is a general on the pitch, man. Oh, yeah. He's a he's a manager on the pitch. Like if you need someone to bollock someone because they've made a mistake, Mark Noble is there and he is absolutely in their grill. Like, look, you need to sort it out, boys. I think I either team, if United or Spurs had a Mark Noble on this in their side in the last couple of years. Well, I don't know. I reckon it would have been a different story for either one of you. Yeah. I, I, one of my favourite photos ever of like West Ham Spurs games is uh, Noble squaring up to Sissoko. <laughs> Obviously, like, Sissoko is like a big lad as well. Like, probably got, I don't know six, seven, eight inches on Noble yeah. and he's just like Noble's underneath his chin looking up at him. <laughs> the, the man is an absolute because he's not that big to be honest. No. Remember when I carried off um, Herrera off the pitch? Yeah. Yeah, Herrera was just like sat down because he had cramp, didn't he? he yeah, like, yeah. He his leg and he just like, yeah, get off the pitch. Like, yeah, yeah, mate. He had cramp scrambled. in like extra time in an FA Cup game. Mark Noble actually just picked him up, carried him off the pitch. <laughs> The man is an absolute legend. I, I just, I just hope we don't shaft him. It'd be great, it'd be, as as everyone does. You know, you hope he comes and be some sort of player manager. You know, all this sort of nostalgic ideas. But good, keep him. Antonio, what a guy! Honestly, like we haven't even really mentioned him. We mentioned all like the in inverted bracket star players, but. Antonio's been unbelievable for you guys last season, wasn't he? Uh, and the same with Mark Noble. One thing we didn't say here: Antonio, Mark Noble. How have they not had England call-ups at times? And I'm just going to say, I know it's a fucking West Ham trope. Mark Noble has deserved a call-up in the past. Not anymore. Antonio, every time he's looked like he's in with a shout, he just gets injured and he's done. But Antonio's carried this team multiple times, I think, in the past couple of seasons. And he's played everywhere as well. Midfield, up on the wing. He played covered right back for a period of time. And he wasn't even that shit. That's the best thing about it. It's just this unit that will just run and just give his absolute guts out. You know, it might take him 
three times to hit the target, but he, he's he's done it in in this season. He's got how many goals? He yeah, got this season? ten goals, three assists. You take that, won't you? In, in regards to the the England call up, I hundred percent agree with you on. I, I don't want to say hundred percent agree with you on both. Noble at some point has looked like he might be up for it. Antonio, I do agree with you. Noble, yes, I want to say yeah because I do love the guy, but. I'm not sure, <laughs> especially when you think back 10 years ago, who was the England start, like starting centre midfield. You're probably right. He probably would have, been, would have been a good utility player to have in the team to, you know, in a World Cup or something. On, on the long list, even if he's just on the bench. Anyway, that's by the by. Yeah, and Antonio, I think, I think Antonio's mint. Man, he's great. He also, he seems like a player that actually loves playing for the club. With, you know, is sometimes in short supply. Anyway, you go. Yeah. I think the only, I think the only problem with Antonio is, and it's not his fault. But I don't know how well him and Alaire link up. I'm not too sure if him and Alaire actually complement each other that well in the style of play, which is a bit of a problem when you've got forty million pound striker who really should be your starting striker. Yeah. So I, th- I think I think that's going to be a bit of a question for Moisey to see how he handles that because because the, the bloke needs service, and I'm not too sure if Antonio's the man to give him service up front there. Um, I never I never realized I realized he was 30 years old. I thought he was quite a bit younger than that. Yeah, he's been knocking around for quite a while now, hasn't he? Yeah, I'd have probably said a few years younger. I maybe said like 27, 28, but yeah. yeah. So while I was doing the research for this episode, I came across a little stat that. Um, West Ham had the highest attendance percentage in the Premier League this season at 99.86%, which I was quite impressed about. But then there seems to be this kind of trope between West Ham fans that they hate the stadium, there's no atmosphere. I think there's probably a question there, so I'll come in. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think like some, I mean, those like official attendances, they're they're a bit pokey, aren't they? I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know how much I believe them. But I think there is also, you know, it's a central London club. It's a massive stadium. If you want to pick up tickets, uh, I think there's probably like quite a lot of tourists that make up that amount yeah. as well. Like they can't be the hardest things to get tickets for. I think the stadium's a bit of a. So I've not been. I've not been to London Stadium. Um, kind of for two reasons. One, because it is meant to be a bit shit. And two, whilst we've been there, we have been playing largely quite shit football. And <laughs> I don't live in London. It's an expensive trip for me. I've been to go watch them away a few times since we moved to London Stadium. I think. I think there's a lot to be said for it. I think there's probably, and, and this is me coming from an outsider perspective for having not having not actually been to London Stadium. I think there's quite a lot to be said for it. I think there probably is like also a lot of rose-tinted spectacles. I mean, first off, the stadium isn't a football stadium. No. Uh, we, we all remember London 2012. It was wicked. I imagine that was an amazing stadium to watch athletics in or, you know, whatever track and field. Mm-hmm. But it's not just like architecturally, it's, it's built. And, and you, you, the Spurs stadium's got around it a bit. Like Spurs stadium's kind of a bowl, but the West Ham's a proper bowl and it doesn't have, yeah. it's not made to echo acoustics around. It's made to be a pleasant stadium to actually yeah, watch yeah. and enjoy sports in rather than it being a sort of really loud, heavy atmosphere. And that's what people say is like, if you're on the upper terrace, you can't even hear the fans on the lower seats. Wow, really? Yeah, just because the, the way it's built, it's not made to hold noise. It's made to dissipate it so actually like kids and families can sit and watch the long jump. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But then I've seen a few games where it was absolutely rocking. When we're when West Ham are playing well, the stadium's absolutely bouncing and you can hear it mm. and it's so loud. I think it's also a bit of an unfortunate 
correlation that since we moved, we've also just played some shit football. Do you think that's related? Or I spoke to Sean, who we had on in another episode, and he was saying previously about going to Upton Park and like how fucking scary it was. Like it was a pretty menacing, intimidating ground to go to. Absolutely, as a fan, yeah. But as a footballer, should that? I, I mean, I've got no idea how much of a difference that makes. Either way, if you've got it's the twelfth man, isn't it? It is a twelfth man. But if you've got forty thousand people screaming their heads off at Upton Park or you've got 60,000 people screaming their heads off at London Stadium, that's still going to be well loud on the pitch. But then if it dissipates out the stadium and you're about 20 foot away from the pitch... Yeah. That's what I was going to say. With with Upton Park, it was so close to the pitch. The whole stadium was like... All, all four sides of the ground were really close to the pitch. So it does... I've heard interviews with players where they've said like especially Upton Park, but other grounds which are like old school from like the late 80s, early 90s, that the stadiums back then, it does it does really, like James says, a 12th man, definitely. Like. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the, the atmosphere can't be the same and like it won't no. be the same. Yes, it's not the same, but it's also a bit of an easy get-out because the whole point of selling, selling the stadium and moving to the Olympic Stadium, which, by the way, we're paying like no money for rent. We're absolutely fleecing the taxpayer on, on the rent for the stadium. That money you know it should be um, transferred to performance on the pitch yeah, that... I find some decent players that aren't Lingard <laughs> yeah or, or Jack Wilshire bless his, bless his heart bless his like, legs mate <laughs> yeah, bless, bless his legs definitely. everything but you know that, that sort of thing yeah it's, it's quite easy to blame on the stadium whereas also I think if we had gone to London Stadium and we played good football and we won some games and didn't bottle it to Watford twice in the same season, <laughs> it would probably be feeling a lot better. But I mean, still, it is a massive bowl, and I, I, it doesn't seem to have any... We're paying no rent, basically. I think we pay like a mil a year or something for that stadium. Wow, um, really? Yeah, and it's actually, it's actually for someone that cares about... <laughs> here we are, boys, taking a turn. For someone that cares about local government and public finances, <laughs> it's actually like a bit of a fucking con that our taxpayer money is used to refurbish and renovate a football stadium so millionaires yeah. can enjoy football. Porn millionaires. Yeah, so yeah, porn, porn millionaires. millionaires. Make sure you say that before every single time you mention them again, mate, yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that. Uh, I mean, it took so long to actually get a, like, a, a claret strip around the running track when, you know, you're not allowed to install flags because we don't own it. So there isn't really the, that ownership of the stadium as well, which I don't think helps. It doesn't make it feel like home as much, does it, I suppose? Yeah, I think that's it. Just following on from what we said at the top of the show, we're going to talk some transfers. What do we What do we think, guys? What have we seen flying around? Seen Rakitic to Severe for 1.5 mil. Not a bad little purchase, I, that. Yeah, I must admit, I think that's a really good buy. I think he's still only like, what, 30 two maybe something like that I think he, yeah he's still got some years left in him a couple of years especially in Spain like no one touches each other in Spain so like he's <laughs> he's got plenty of years left yeah, he's, I 30, he's 32 I didn't realise it was so cheap that's a good that's a good transfer well, that's, where that's, he, a, that's where he came from right mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what about the big one this week um, Donny Donny Van der Beek Van der Beek yeah I'm happy with it uh, You're not buzzing about it though, are you? Not buzzing about it, no. I mean, I don't think we really needed another centre mid. Like, I like the signing. I'm happy with it. I've got a few little stats, which I looked up before, which are he's, he's had the most tackles won. Apart from Matic and Fred, he's had the most tackles won out of our midfield. And also... 
apart from Fernandez, he either assisted or scored the most goals. I think he scored, he, he assisted or scored 14 last season. So, I mean, in comparison to Pogba, I know he was out a lot last season, but he had six. I think he will be a good player. And I know he's only young. He's only like 23 or so. I think I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with it. Like I said, at the start of the very first episode we did, still I'm waiting for that. That big centre-back transfer, but, you know, I think I'm going to have to keep waiting, in it? Well, that's what I kind of feel about this transfer. Having listened to a few of the podcasts and read some read some articles and stuff, there's a bit of a consensus going around that it seems a bit like a panic buy. That like, oh shit, the season's starting in a week or two. Like, we haven't brought anyone in. The Sancho thing's gone cold for now. No news of centre-back or anything like that. And it seems a bit like we just need to go out there and grab someone. No, I think, so I heard that basically we were linked with him two seasons ago. Then Real put a, a deal together basically saying that we'll buy him X day and that expired. And then obviously United have a connection with Van der Sar being the CEO at IAC. Like that that helps definitely. But I think what it really smacks off to me is that Ollie just doesn't really trust his backup players like a Fred, like a Pereira, like a McTominay. I don't think he really trusts them enough because like the game against Sevilla, he didn't make a change until the 87th minute. He's play, He's putting like teams out, the same team for what, nine games after the restart and in two games, three games in the FA Cup, was it? Was it quarterfinal, semifinal? So two games in the FA Cup, nine in the Premier League, and then three or four games in the Europa League. I think it just smacks that he didn't. If you if you really trust your backup players, you would have you would have you know switched them around. He played a lot of the same team, so I think that's probably another reason why he's brought them. But I can see that. But to me, from from what I've seen of um, of Donny, like the player, the, the sort of play that he he most resembles is Fernandez. Like he doesn't seem to be, he's not a Fred, he's not a Matic, he's not a McTominay. Well, I've, I've seen, he still, he still puts a toe in as well. Like I think there's, I think they're still going to have to have a McTominay or a Matic or a Fred hold in, but I think it's to like bolster that midfield maybe, but I'm not going to defend it enough. Like I don't, I don't think it was a necessary buy. And there probably is some kind of panic buy a little bit in there. As, as a United fan, I guess he's young. I guess you think McTominay, Matt, Fred, one of them is probably going to end up going within the next couple of seasons, I think. And even if he isn't like, uh, he's more like a Fernandez or a Pogba, I do think it, it, you can, you can especially at that age, you can train players to be more defensive or more yeah. defensive-minded and stuff. So Yeah, we'll I mean, off, off the back of that, I think we should definitely take a second to acknowledge how decimated that Ajax team is since we played them <laughs> in the Champions League. They have been torn apart, honestly. Players gone all over the shop now. Crazy, yeah. isn't it? How many yeah. players have that squad now? But that's Ajax, isn't it? They just like... Yeah, yeah nah, they're one of the really, really good stories in European football, I think, in terms of like how they keep doing it year in, year out. I mean, I know we talked on what the second or third episode about Sevilla doing it, but at the same time, like they bring players in, they have a lot of high turnover, but with Ajax, they just bring players through. And I know like they have all the players in their squad still, but... Yeah, they, they really just trust in youth and they may have like a couple of seasons where they're not, you know, winning the, I'm even going to try and Eredivision or have you say they're... Eredivisie. There we go. They may not have a couple of seasons where they don't win them, but you know, like... I mean, if, if you took any of it, say, say you took a team in the Premier League and you gutted them of like six of their starters, probably they're arguably their best players. There's no way they're competing the next year. Yeah. 
No, I not the next year. Not the next year. I mean, the only example I could think of is really like Leicester, how they lost like what two or three of their really good players after they won the Prem, but they weren't the same the year after, were they? And like that's what I mean. Taken, yeah, it's taken them like what another seventeen they won the Prem. It's taken them like three years to even get close to being back to how they were, and they had to the spot managers, the fact to like you know that was only three players, three or four. I think there probably is something in that. Like, and I don't know shit on the. The Eredivisie, Eredivisie, Ered, Oh yeah, Eredivisie. Okay. Um, I don't want to shit on that, but also there is. I imagine there is something in that sort of safety net of knowing that there's not six teams that are challenging for that top title. Are there? There's not. Yeah, that's true. That sort of thing is is what I was just thinking. Talking about you know buying a centre back. Would you buy Thiago Silva? Chelsea's just bought Thiago Silva on a one year contract. Would you Would you guys take him now? Thirty six. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think on a one-year deal, it's it's a win-win, really, isn't it? Like you can play half the season and still, you know, impact game. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a smart move. I think he did. He's done pretty well at PSG, and and they're buying so many younger players that to bring in someone with that level of experience is it's going to be pretty beneficial to them, even if it's just for a year while they bed in. You know what I mean? Well, it's kind of what made me think about when you're talking about. Chelsea seem to be pursuing this policy of bringing in young kids. And I mean, obviously let's not go into Chelsea's loan system, everything like that. You guys touched on it in previous episodes, I think, but you know, thanks um, for listening. <laughs> number one fan. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really enjoyed those episodes. Um, so yeah, you know, there is something in that bringing experience in, but there's just not, it's always that thing, you know, everyone wants a good centre back and there's just not many going around. Yeah. Unless you spend, you know, 90 mil on Van Dijk. Like United off. should be spending on cooler barley. Yeah. I thought, yeah. yeah, I know. Well, City are going to buy him on. He's, he's, going to, he's, he's going to City, mate. I'm sorry. Well, mate, don't tell me that. Yeah. Is it done deal? <laughs> no, but no, it's, it's, it's not. It's not. Linked pretty strongly with City. Yeah. What's that lad from him? Um, I'm going to get the name wrong, so I'm going to Google it now. He's a Diop. Yeah, we'll take him. Mate. Yeah, yeah. We'll <laughs> spend probably 20 will, million but... on a dirt bag like him. We'll take him off your hands, mate. No bother. Give us that. We'll take. We'll give you some of our, our dirty money, and we'll, you'll take him straight off your hands. <laughs> and you could have Jesse Lingard on a free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah cheers. <man. laughs> what do you think his name is? Uh, the guy from uh, RB Leipzig. Yes. He's beginning with a U. Semenyo, yeah. whatever he's called. I was going to say Mopenko. Jesus. It's Upper Meccano. Is it? That's Upper how you Meccano. say it, yeah. Well, that's how they are Upper Meccano. It's like Meccano, isn't it? Like Lego. <laughs> <laughs> Easy, mate. Yeah, yeah. I can say it's, he's been linked around the Prem for a bit and I saw United with yeah. sniffing. Yeah, but that's the thing, mate. You put any player into Google and put transfer, United pop up. Yeah. yeah. Messi, exactly. He's not going United. There's no chance he's going United. But, you know, anyway, let's not go down that rabbit hole with Messi. You went down that last week and it was already, it would took too long to just fucking talk about it. Anyway, right. All <laughs> or know, nothing. We've, no, no, it's not all or nothing yet, mate. It's your favourite section coming up. Are no, we, we... <laughs> we're not <laughs> talking about that bell end again. <laughs> Our weekly chat about Jack Grealish. He made it into the English. <laughs> like I've said, he's he's fine, isn't he? Seventy-five million for him. That's what we're, that's what they're talking. Yeah, fuck off. We're not talking about his transfer fee, mate. We're talking about the fact that he's made it into the England squad. Yeah, he's fine. I'll, I'll accept it for the time being. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is, right? Running a bit low on other midfielders, so we'll give him a we'll give him some time. How do you feel about Jack Grealish, Alex? Um, I think I, I don't think he's going anywhere. He's he's. I think he'll start. No. I, feel. I don't think he's going to go. No. Um, how do I feel about? Him? I mean, basically, if we had a, if we had Jack Grealish at West Ham, not 
actually Jack Grealish because I don't want West Ham to buy Jack Grealish or start even <laughs> sniffing around for him. But if we had the equivalent, I mean, you'd all want it, wouldn't you? Like a young attacking mid who loves the club and is from the, like, who doesn't want that? England squad, I, mean, I think you're probably doing some good to be on the bench, to be honest. That's what Dan was saying last week or the week before. He seems to have a bit of a bad attitude about him. Potentially, I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but yeah, Dan seemed to think if he was kind of not getting game time, he'd be kicking off about it and things like that. The only reason I say that is with a few reports. I am maybe being overly pessimistic about him, but I just do believe that like he is one of them kind of players that if you if you benched him, they were talking United getting him bench him because Fernandez is playing good, he would just kick up a fuss after a season or two. I think he's got the potential to be a proper top six player. I also think he's got the potential to be a properly toxic dressing room player yeah. if he's on the yeah. bench for too long. I think I think it'll be I think it'll do him some real good to be on the bench at um at the what's it the Nations League whatever that's called glorified um, friendlies. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> glorified friendlies. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who else is going to go there in that place. No, I don't know. Ali? Is, oh, he's not in the squad, is he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Could, did he turn it? Not turn it down, but basically, it's not been picked. Didn't get picked last time. Didn't get picked this time. He's had, he's had a bit of a shit house, to be fair. So is it? What well, he didn't get? Oh, was it Rashford turned it down or something, or like found an excuse out of it? I don't yeah. know. I haven't heard about that. Like I've said a couple of times, England squad's not my forte, guys. Until we get to the World Cup, I'll look at it then. Maguire did his special of banged up abroad, didn't he? So he's not in there now. <laughs> What? Yeah, I've not even. I'm not going to comment on that, James. I'll, I'll let that slide, mate. Well, we talked about that last week. Right uh, now, we can talk about all or nothing, if you like. Yeah, I would very much like to talk about that. Although I've realised in the notes, I've written it as all of nothing. I know. I did think that. <laughs> I, did, I did kind of question it for a second. I was like, is it called all of nothing? But yeah, all or nothing. Uh, are you guys watched it? Yeah, I watched all three. Yeah, I really yeah. liked it. One thing that did kind of frustrate me was the fact that. They just skipped past what seemed like the majority of the season with Poch. Like yeah. in the first ep- like episode, like Poch was getting sacked and they were bringing in Mourinho. And I, yeah, that's cool if you want to just see like Mourinho. But I was kind of looking forward to seeing like what happened after the Champions League final and like the basically what I really wanted for James is like two or three episodes where he just saw the slow decline of his club into like <laughs> real the depths of like proper Levy and, and uh, Poch just putting heads like every episode, like properly going at each other. That's what I wanted for at least a couple of episodes to see. I didn't need to see it again, man. I fucking lived it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I mean, I mean, if I had to watch that, it'd be like watching your worst breakup. <laughs> on video over and over again honestly when he came up on the screen i was like oh daddy's back (laughs) i haven't i haven't seen it but i didn't realize it was it keeps popping up on adverts i'm watching the oc at the moment it's pretty good take back everything i thought about the oc on amazon prime all the adverts only have um yeah didn't even realize it was covering i mean from what from what i heard he um, Pochettino didn't really want to be involved in it. He didn't really like the idea of it. And then I think combine that with how the season was going. I mean, as you as you will have seen, uh, Dan, there was a few clips of him doing press conferences and stuff during that period. And he's so like just down, like yeah, he just doesn't dour, like it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, dour. Yeah, it's a good word for it. So yeah, maybe they maybe they filmed him quite a lot, and it was all kind of shite. I don't know. I sort of just thought maybe yeah, he just wasn't really that that bothered about being in it, and he sort of just said you know what, it's just going to make me look like a mug. So like, just 
put it. Just like have the bare minimum you can have in it and just crack on with Yose. And and now I actually know that it's not Yose, it's Jose, isn't it? No, it's Jose. <laughs> is, it, is it Jose? No, Jose yeah. is Spanish. Jose is no, Portuguese. Argentinian. Argentinian. He's not Argentinian. No, no. Jose is Argentinian. Though. That's what you said. Oh, but it's also it? Spanish. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's definitely yeah. Jose, I think. Jose. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a few takeaways from it. It was quite interesting to see the sort of Christian Eriksen transfer saga from the inside a little bit. Um, seeing uh, Jan Vertonghen talking about he doesn't know where his kids are going to be going to school when he doesn't know if he has the heart to tell his daughter she might not be going back to school at the same place I thought it was quite interesting that they kind of they they omitted the Brighton game where we got smashed it was ultimately the the last game of Poch's tenure Um, and also the game I think that was the game where Lloris broke his arm as well but there was just no mention of that at all that's what kind of made me think like maybe they were just trying to skip around the, the Poch situation yeah yeah I don't know I don't know but it's the Jose show, isn't it? And I loved every second of it. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. Like I, I had a lot of time for a couple of things in terms of how it definitely shows him in a good light. I think he's definitely had some input in how they've how they've edited because, like, the, that first like one of the first training sessions when he's like basically he says to Harry Kane like, "Yeah, you come to my office," and then mm. Kane's like, "What? Like now?" And he's like. And Mourinho's like, oh, you've got two kids, haven't you? And he's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, then go home, go and see your kids and stuff. And I think that, I mean, that like, does make him seem more personable and nice. And I think he, with especially with Ali, Dyer and um, and Kane, I do think them three, he, it was honest, wasn't it? The, the bit with Ali where he's basically just brutally honest with him and says like partying too much is that sort of, you know, a reason why you're so up and down in form. And you can just see Ali sort of just sitting there thinking. And he just, he fucking calls him out in the, in the when they have the team talks he's like you're fucking lazy in training and i'm gonna yeah, be on yeah. you i'm gonna be all over you <laughs> and i love that bit with um with aurier when he's like in the in the team chat when he's just like look you are gonna give away a penalty i'm scared you are one of them which is gonna give one away he looks not very happy about that no i, I liked it it was good it was interesting do you, do you actually know i'm google do you know how much there actually is in terms of like episodes i think there's well there's eight in the city one so, oh, right. Once surprise it was eight or nine, I think, overall. Is it worth a watch then? Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, as a, as a general football fan, it's probably going to be quite interesting. As a Spurs fan myself, I found it very interesting. But, mm-hmm. I mean, generally people seem to rate it. Right, well, that about wraps it up, I think. Well, that time again, isn't it? Well, you can do the outro this week, Daniel. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. It's <laughs> been, I really appreciate it, everyone. Alex? Thanks, mate. I appreciate you coming on. It's been real nice seeing you and real nice chatting football with you. And we definitely need to do it again. Do us a favour and get on iTunes and give us a five-star review. I'm talking to you, Alex, as well as the listeners. <laughs> do it. I've um, actually recommended it to other people. It's been a pleasure being on, boys. Thank you. Thank you. We'll have you on again, mate, when the season kicks off. We're smashing you. <laughs> well, yeah, it's about that time, isn't it, boys? been good chatting. And uh, this has been the fucking away end. Bye. Even though...